You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self Worst Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Self Worst I just keep doing these I be putting these things out on a weekly basis whether anybody's listening or not, I'm just doing it. How we doing, folks? It's still February. It's still cold and gray. And, uh, you know, is what it is. We got a, we got kind of a crappy week ahead of us. Not gonna lie, but we'll get through it. And then, uh, things will get better. Do we have an end goal in sight? Do we have something, anything to look forward to? You tell me. Selfworst at gmail.com. DM me at uh, Radical Pearson, Instagram and Twitter. Let me know. What are you looking forward to? Is there anything out there on the horizon that is uh, helping you uh, kind of eyes on the prize it? No? Yes? Maybe? Does that even help? Are you motivated by future goals, future outcomes, or are you just try and live in the moment? I guess moment's all we got. So we'll just uh, hang out here. And uh, eventually it'll get better. At least get warmer out. Probably. I don't know. What? Ever. I'm home early from work. Dog walking is uh, a little sparse this time of year. A little sparse lately. Not gonna lie. Since, I mean, really not been great since the pandemic. But it's been very spare lately, so... uh, You know, you know I've been looking for other kinds of work. And I guess it just gives me more time to do that. I don't know. What I did do was I ate too many chips and salsa. You know when you open a jar of salsa and a bag of uh, tortilla chips and you just keep on going? And all of a sudden, you're like halfway through the jar. You're down to chip shards and you're like, fuck. My mouth is very dry right now. How did I do this? How did I get here? I just wanted some dopamine. 
I just kept trying to push the lever for the dopamine and it's not coming. It's like a... It's hard to generate that shit. Dopamine, serotonin, any of those nice brain chemicals. Very hard to generate. For me, anyway, lately. It's like I got psychological blue balls. I'm sorry for that metaphor. But you know when you, like, can't nut? And you just, like, keep going and you're like... Argh. Just can't get over the the precipice. You're just like, ah, fuck. It's like that, but with actual like brain chemicals. I don't know. But we got a good episode this week. So that's something. Right? Okay. Our guest this week is Deanna Mackey. She is uh, a co-host of The Worst Week Yet, which we've had a couple people from Worst Week Yet. We've had the main guy, Andrew Hillary, on the show. We've had Maria Guido on. Um, And now we got Deanna Mackey. All friends of the show. Yins are all friends of the show. Am I doing it right? Our Pittsburgh affiliates. Our friends from the Steel City. Right? Cool. So we had a good talk. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a, an ADHD-er. So this is like the main thing that we talked about. The ins and outs of living with ADHD. Having a squirrely-ass brain. That jumps around and goes everywhere. One little note about this episode, uh, like halfway through, uh, my recorder ran out of space, like my SD card filled up and I had to scramble and format it and get it all back, but everything's fine. We did just like, there's like a little bump. There's like a little area. I'll let you know when that happens. I'll come in with a little thing like, oh, here's what the the thing happened. And you'll know. It's fairly seamless we just continue we keep going but you know that sometimes we have a technology fail we have an epic fail it's a whole ass mood it's straight vibes it's uh epic bacon ninja napoleon dynamite i'm out of dated references okay uh that's all i got uh support us patreon.com slash self worst that would be nice of you little as a dollar a month we got bonus content we got dog pictures we got extra episodes and uh deleted scenes and all kinds of shit back there behind that paywall what else is back there find out um I'm, you know, Radical Pearson, Instagram, Twitter, self-worst on Instagram. You already know all that. Already said all that, I think. I don't know. ADHD. I am not sure what I just said, which is maybe why I started recording myself talking. (laughs) Just so I would have some sort of record of uh, what what 
comes out of my mouth. And you know what? You know what I found out? It's not great. Not really worth it. That's okay, though. We're going to talk. Uh, that's all. I'll, I'll see you later. I love you. I die for you. I kiss you on the lips. Blah, blah, blah. Um, let's talk right now to Deanna Mackey. I gave her like a peanut butter dog cookie. I'll put this away. <laughs> it's okay. I just uh, shoved an avocado toast into my uh, into my mouth before we started recording, which is why I don't own a house. Because mm. mm-hmm. I'm irresponsible with money. I do own a house, but I live in Pittsburgh where that's possible. Sure. Yeah. Um, are you from Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. Born and raised? Yep. I've heard really good things about Pittsburgh. I've um, I've only passed through. We drove one time from uh, from New York all the way through PA out to. I have family in Minnesota, so um, we we drove to Minneapolis and back. Um, but I, I've never actually been there. How do you How do you like it? I mean, obviously you, you live there, so it must be doing something right. My family came all the way from Sicily and thought it was good enough to stay and here the fuck I am. <laughs> right. So you're uh, you're a child of immigrants. Um, Not a direct. I'm a second second generation. Second generation. Um, My uh, parents are children of immigrants. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a, a classic American archetype, though. Uh, Sicilian Americans, Italian Americans. Um, and you were raised Catholic, which I think is important to your story. And uh, tell me just a little bit, fill us in a little bit more about like, um, you know, upbringing and uh, childhood and impressions it's left on on adult Deanna. Well, I have one older sister, and my parents are my parents got married in 1982. My parents are still married, so 40 years they've been together um marital advice i once received from my mother was find a spouse that suffers well so if that tells you anything about wow that is yeah that's anything but my parents are actually great they love each other very much you know what they also loved us very much and anything i like used to be mad at my parents for like want to be mad at my parents for like those motherfuckers were genuinely doing their best yeah like when i look at like the socioeconomic and like emotional and financial and political tools that they had in front of them they did their best like whether i objectively like subjectively whether i think it was correct or not i can appreciate that they did their did their most best effort but yeah we uh lived in the city when I was a kid. My dad's mom lived with us until she, well, until she went into a nursing home where we visited her every day for oh an extended boy. period of time. That is very Italian. That is very Italian of you to just like ailing grandmother and you just like, you, you dote on her and every day you're there and it's like- Oh very- yeah, like when I was a child, like my after school play dates, like I would play after school I would play Scrabble and checkers with like a, a 
a gay man in his late 30s that was in the same nursing home as my grandmother who was there because he was like dying of AIDS. Wow. How old were you? Like seven. Like seven. Okay, so that's a that's a big bite of real world when you're uh, you know when you're when you're a kid, right? Like the he always wore Tommy Hilfiger cologne, yeah. and the scent of that is like imprinted on me. Yeah. Wow. Um, it gave me actually like I have a lot of I had a lot of panic around like hospitals and. Mm-hmm just nursing like all of that gives me a panic i mean i've been in the hospital a few times as an adult and i guess like that has sort of balanced it but we spent a lot of time like a lot of middle of the night wake-ups and my grandmother needed to go to the hospital so like yeah there we were like everybody went like my mom and my dad and me and my like we all went it wasn't like somebody went and somebody like stayed home and lo- and left children in their beds. Yeah. So that was like kind of a lot. And then uh, my parents, again, were doing their best. Thought that they were thought that they were making great choices. They wanted to move out of our city neighborhood that was like not a very nice neighborhood, which now has been gentrified into like one of the most expensive neighborhoods in the city. But like in 1994 was fucking embarrassing and in 2001 was embarrassing still so my dad started working a second job to make more money to pay for a nicer house in the suburbs which like my mom wanted because she grew up in in a suburb and like that was nicer so like they really worked so fucking hard. And I feel so bad about this. I carry a lot of guilt about this actually. And I'm just realizing that now, damn it. I told you, mm-hmm. I fucking told you that your intake questionnaire was more thorough than my new therapist. And honestly, I'm just gonna send him a link to this podcast and be like, my guy, catch up. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, therapist take note. You're, be, you're being uh, schooled by an amateur. I don't know what to tell I you. Did- I did find out though in our very first session that my therapist was like recently divorced from his husband and also had been a victim of childhood kidnapping. And also Whoa. like, I was like, am I the therapist? Do I get to collect the copay? Dang. Yeah. Is this, I, not- I, this is, this is what's weird. Like I hear people tell, um, finding out, uh, personal details about their therapist's lives. And that's not something that usually, um, comes up in my experience with therapists um granted i have kind of like a weird way of getting therapy because i'm very broke and i get free therapy through um like the columbia school of psychology their their grad program uh everybody there is in the it's like a phd program for I don't know how any of the academia of it works, but basically they're all already MDs through Columbia and they're getting their PhD in psychology. So they're training uh, for free um, on, you know, just broke schmucks like me. Um, So their school of doing things is very like, I don't know, they don't really divulge personal details about their own 
lives. Like if I ever ask, like they just sort of do that therapist psychologist thing where they're like, interesting that you asked that. What makes you curious about that? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not asking, I'm asking the questions right now, you know? And like, they just, they, Don't can, just, turn this they can just dodge, they can just dodge around it. And like, you know, like I'll find out little details. Like my therapist had, one of my therapists was pregnant and had to tell me that like, oh, I have to like go on like maternity leave soon. And you know, like that was about it. You know, but like other than that, I don't know what fucking borough they live in. I don't know where they're from. I had this one, like one of my first therapists there. um, I had, he was my first, well, yeah, he was my first therapist through Columbia, I think. And I had him for a couple of years and we were really, you know, we made a lot of big work, groundbreaking work, right? And... I don't really, I don't know anything about the dude. Like, don't know if he's gay or straight. Don't know if he's married. Don't know where he's from. Don't know what he's doing now. Like, it's just, he just like drifted in and out of my life. Like once he graduated and like, I, they just moved me to a different therapist. Um, yeah. and that was it. So I don't know, but you, you uh, got like a, 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 a kidnapping victim and like a divorcee and all of this stuff. Yeah. So I think that part of why is, um, so I use BetterHelp mm-hmm. and which was actually recommended to me by a client of mine. Um, and I, I wonder if he was like trying to build connection via like, because we couldn't physically be in, like, I think maybe it was an attempt to build connection or maybe like I did I did mention, I think that like, I always stop going to therapy because it just like makes me feel fucking bad. Mm-hmm. Like I, it just, it makes me feel like gross and weird and sad that I have to like go pay somebody to like, listen to me talk about my life when like you and Andrew will invite me on a podcast and I do it for free. Yeah. And so which is actually, it's like such a deeply fucking flawed way of thinking about it, which I yeah. know. I want yeah, to like, I- issue the caveat right now that neither me nor Andrew are qualified to help you solve your your uh, mental problems. I can oh, offer yeah. a sympathetic no, 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 no. ear, but I was just being it. 110% <laughs> flipped. That, yeah. that was, I was just being flipped. And also, like, also caveat and full disclaimer, I in no way genuinely believe that going to therapy is pathetic and like it's sad that you have to pay someone to listen to yeah. you talk about your life. What you're actually paying someone for is for them, is the service of them teaching you the tools to navigate the emotional stressors in your life. Like that's what you're paying for when you go to therapy. I just wanna say that and like yeah. be very clear on that because when I am thinking, with my rational mind, I am aware that that is why I go to therapy. I am paying someone to provide me tools and insights and self-reflection, like a mirror for self-reflection that will allow me to better process the events of my day-to-day life. But like when I am steeped in self-loathing, my self-loathing is like, you're so pathetic. You have to pay someone to listen to you talk about your problems because you don't know what to do with them on your own. Sure. And that's, that, that, I just, that's the, I, I understand that. Yeah, that's totally, I mean. I just wanted to say like for anyone that's like 
for anyone that's listening mm-hmm. and also just because we don't really know each other that well i don't i don't I wanted to be clear on what my real opinion of therapy and like what the value of therapy is. Yeah, I got you. I, I feel like probably most of my listener base is pretty cool with therapy. I might have one or two listeners who are like on the fence and they're like, oh, should I get into this mental health thing? Then like, then yeah, I would want to like advertise to them uh, or or advise them that, you know, it is a it is a valid thing to get into, but also... I think it's cool to acknowledge that even as you go through the process, you're going to have your own like doubts, hangups. Uh, it's going to a lot of times when I'm getting ready to go to therapy, I'm just kind of like, I don't have time for this. I don't want to talk about this shit right now. Like it's another, it's a chore, you know, like it's like anything. It's like going to the gym. Like you have to go when you don't fucking feel like going, you know, yeah. or like going to school, like doing anything that's going to push you out of you know, the, the blobular form that you are in and, and shape you as a piece of clay and do something else that you want to be is going to have to like be kind of tedious and not always fun and not always something you want to do. So like, yeah, I, I get that. And there's of course, like the voice in your head that is telling you you're so pathetic, uh, that you need to go and blab and whine to some stranger and pay them because you're such a basket case and blah, blah, blah. It's like, boom, right there. There's your mental illness right there. Like that's the, what you can say, what you can say right back to that voice is like, you motherfucker are the reason I am going to this thing right now. So. Well, and that's the thing, but I just, I would never want to put anything out there into the world that even like remotely seemed like I was, um, like I was, deterring anyone for, from pursuing therapy sure. for them or I get you. like, yeah, I get you. This is, this being, is a, yeah. Just being careful, my guy, <laughs> you know, the only person harder to help than someone else is your fucking self. It's true. So, like, <laughs> so I just wanted to be transparent about, about that. But yeah, so maybe that's why he was divulging personal details sure. was because I was like, yeah, it just feels like, so strange it's a it's a very strange way to have a relationship yeah and it's uncomfortable and yeah. i feel un, and i feel unbalanced and i also feel like i feel like oh okay great this person because i have a i have a lot of like weird issues i actually just discovered this myself um I have a lot of weird issues around like the concept of safety. Mm-hmm. And so also for me, it, like lack of safety in some ways comes from lack of balance. And I think that's also why I don't care for the typical therapist patient relationship is because there is no balance. Like you have all of my information, right? If you wanted to like turn on me and like decimate me as a person, you have all of that at your disposal. Right. You know, all my fears, you know, all my insecurities, you right. know, all the like weird and things I, I jerk nothing. off to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything. Right. Like, I, I have nothing. I have no cards yeah. in my hand, like, or I have cards, but they're like, when you get the cards against humanity cards, you could like fill in yourself, but you forget to take them out of the deck. And then like you accidentally pull one. You think you're about to get a sweet punchline, but it's just a blank fucking card. That's how I feel. Right. So maybe like, and I had kind of communicated that. So actually maybe he was like, well, I'll let her hold some of my cards. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. When when did you start therapy? Oh, 
Thursday. <laughs> so you're pretty new to the whole thing. <laughs> oh, not to the whole thing. When did I start therapy? Yeah. Like, when did I start, start therapy? So you just started with a new therapist. Okay. So. Yeah. 2004. 2004. All right. Um, what was it that got you in there? I was most recently. No, no, no. What was it that got you in in the first place? Oh, uh, I was a horribly depressed child. I was sullen and temperamental. And I understand now that some of that was related to rejection sensitive dysphoria. And some Mm. of that was like from ADHD. And some of that was related to perfectionism. And some of that was me mirroring my parents' untreated mental health issues. Like my dad definitely has considerable anxiety. And when I look at my dad now as an adult person, I can see ways in which we're the same. And I'm like, you're not a dick. You just like needed some fucking help. Yeah. But like my dad is 70. They just, his parents were immigrants. His dad died when he was 12. No one was like, oh yeah, Frank, you should go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah, it you just know. wasn't an option for, for previous generations, which is why I do. I mean, it's it's not an option for a lot of people in our generation too. It's just becoming more available and less stigmatized. And I think more people are turning to it, which is a tide that I like to see turning because, you know, like with your dad, I mean, it not only helps us understand ourselves better and work through our own issues, it helps us sympathize with people who haven't been able to work on their own. Um, and right. I think it it's contrary to what a lot of people might believe about uh, like a layman's understanding of therapy is about just like, well, you have all these issues because of your mom, because of your dad, like, and they fucked you up and it's their fault. And it's like throwing them under the bus. It's not exactly that. It's understanding all the ways in which they might have kind of failed or fucked up in raising you and like maybe not trying to, like maybe doing their best, but they still like drop the ball here or there. But once you understand how anxiety works and feels from the inside, and once you understand how depression or body issues or any of that stuff um, really manifests itself, and what it can do to somebody, then you can really begin to sympathize with somebody who has all of that stuff going on unprocessed and they have like an unprocessed depression, unprocessed addiction, anything like that. You're just like, okay, so that's why. And it just, it, it made me a lot more patient with people other than myself. Right. Well, everything I just said before, I mean, you just kind of mirrored what I said before about my parents, that they did their absolute best. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I have, and, and they didn't even like drop the ball. Like they really, like my mom wanted us to live in like a nice house in the suburbs. They wanted to get out of that neighborhood. My dad went and got a job, a second job so that he could better afford that house. There was no, predicting that me change, like there was no predicting that me changing schools was going to be, um, like that me changing schools was going to be the source of me getting bullied and the source of me like 
having internal decline. Like they had no, no knowledge of the fact that like my dad going to work every Friday night, like, or going to work a, a second job on weeknights. And then like Friday nights, I was on the dance team. I had to dance at the football games, but like he could almost never come to that because right. he had to work. Like in my adult mind, I can see that like, oh, my dad couldn't be there for that because he was trying to provide financially for our family and doing the best that he could. But like, as a teenager, it was like, my dad doesn't even care to come to this thing that I do. Right. So like, I think that is the kind of stuff that therapy helps with is like, it's like when you go to the fucking eye doctor and they're like, which looks better? Number one or number two? Number one or number two? I feel like that's what I, I feel like that's what my process is in therapy where I just like reframe and reframe and reframe until I feel figure out like what is the prescription on the glasses I need to look at my life mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, rejection sensitive dysphoria um, and a lot of that going on what that, that are the things that got you into therapy in the first place, um, which uh, I know now is, you know, is a, a big time symptom of ADHD. Um, and I think is something that like I was diagnosed when I with ADHD when I was five or six, something like really young when I was like kindergarten, first grade, somewhere in there. Um, because I was extremely hyperactive and extremely hard to focus and extremely hard to, you know, just get anything. Like I was such a spaz that even for like a five or six year old, they were like, this kid is too much. Right. So, um, I grew up pretty aware of like, I guess the nineties understanding of what ADHD is, but then I feel like a lot of new things have come to light about what's what ADHD, how ADHD can present itself so far as emotional dysregulation and intrusive thoughts, self-harm, self-injury, things like that, that uh, like it like extreme emotions. And like you're saying, uh, uh, a rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is this feeling of like, a neurotypical, like most people walking around can deal with a rejection, somebody not liking them, somebody saying that like they're stupid or ugly or whatever, and it just sort of slides off their back. ADHD people internalize that and it turns into this like really self-destroying thing. Um, and, and it can really fucking, like the, the, the tiniest little backhanded comment can can just like completely unravel somebody if they're not ready for it. So it's something to like really be aware of. Um, but I guess uh, since we do have ADHD in common, um, I wanted to uh, have you talk a little bit about uh, what your experience has been with, with ADHD and uh, how that's affected you. So you saying that I, I you saying that about um, the rejection sensitive dysphoria and how that leads to self-harm and other like other issues. Yeah. Um, to backtrack to your question about why I started going to therapy, it was because I was self-harming mm -hmm. and which is why my parents were like, okay, 
we now need to like take this. So they knew they found out. Oh, I was cutting myself and my like my clothing sleeves were bloody. And I. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, a lot of people can. I mean, it it goes a couple of ways, you know, like with things like that. uh, Self-destructive mental behaviors that can manifest themselves physically, such as self-harm or eating disorders, things like that. Bulimia, anorexia. Some people can cloak it really well and sometimes they can hide it from their parents and sometimes they don't and their parents are on to them so like um, uh, in your case your your parents were aware yeah and you know what's something i i fucking hate about like rhetoric surrounding self-harm mm-hmm. is like when people talk about that and they're like oh it's attention seeking it's a cry for help yeah. like yeah, clearly when they say it like it's like a bad thing. And it's like, no, yeah, literally, like I did I did want to hurt myself. And I know now that like ADHD has an issue or uh is partially an issue of lack of like dopamine behaving mm-hmm. correctly in your brain. And if you have obsessive compulsive disorder, compulsions are a way of stimulating dopamine production. So it makes sense that like in my ADHD state of rejection sensitive dysphoria, my brain, like I was compulsively cutting myself. Yeah. Because my brain was like, get it from somewhere, bitch. And uh, like, sure, I feel fine about my parents. Like, I feel fine about thinking, like, yes, this was a cry for help from my parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or like for my parents. Like, yes, I did want them to know that I was like, deeply suffering inside and hate yeah i just the, I? the notion that it's attention seeking and therefore is uh invalid is crazy to me because it's like okay yeah. so clearly somebody wants somebody to pay attention to them in some way so badly that they are taking a razor blade and cutting their skin so maybe we should ask them what's up you know like right ma- like, like why is the response just like contempt and eye rolling at this person who's being like dramatic or whatever. And why is it not, uh, sympathy, compassion? Why is it not like, Hey, what's up? How well, can we help you? And it's funny to me. Cause I feel like a lot of those people, I like, can't imagine hurting themselves on purpose. Yeah. And so I, it just makes me want to say to them, like, can you imagine how bad like, if you don't want to hurt yourself at all, yeah. can you imagine how bad you must feel that, like, even if it is for the purposes of gaining attention, like, how bad you must feel that you, like, a- actively want to harm your, yeah. like, inflict injury upon your own person? Yeah. It's like, I mean, bro, I'm happy for you that you have never felt so bad that you've wanted to actually cause yourself pain. But uh, that's not the case for everybody. Happy right. for you. Glad you've never experienced that feeling. But some people do. And it fucking sucks. Sometimes my husband and I will talk about, like, m- my mental health stuff. And he'll be like, sorry, chief. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Let me know if I can do anything. And I know that it's because, like, he in actually no way can relate. And I'm like, I'm so glad for you. I'm so happy that you have no fucking idea about this. Right. 
chef's kiss. How's it feel to be God's favorite? Like, right. <laughs> um, but to, to answer your question about ADHD, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from you because you, well, I guess we're on the same end of the spectrum, but different points in time mm-hmm. because you got diagnosed when you were five or six. Yeah. I didn't get diagnosed until I was 32. Wow. And what did they, so what did they think it was when you, when you went in, they were like, Oh, this is depression. This is when you yeah, were just depression and anxiety. Yeah. Little, little, little good old fashioned PTSD from yeah. all the hospital and right stuff. Grandma yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and we also lived with like my mom's parents while my grandfather had, was like in treatment for cancer. Yeah. So like, this was like, it went on. It wasn't like, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. They just thought it was depression and anxiety. You know, ADHD looks so different in girls. And really like ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is such an unfortunate misnomer Mm -hmm. because attention deficit and hyperactivity are actually just symptoms of like, neurological dysregulation mm-hmm. uh, ADHD is so much of a like close cousin to autism it is like yeah. it's it's a neurodivergence it's not just attention deficit and hyperactivity so like what in and I'm sorry to talk about this inside of the gender binary and I don't have better language for it and I've been thinking about it but like I feel often like what the way that it shows up in boys is that like hyperactivity, almost like destructive, like, but I feel like how it shows up in girls is really different. Like I was very gregarious and like talkative and energetic, but I wasn't, I wasn't, destructive right. if that makes sense yeah no i mean i wanted to i wanted to break windows and disrupt class and you know uh play pranks on people and fuck with people and stuff like it just it was this like impulse to like shake things up because everything was so boring yeah and see for me it would be more like me shouting some like interjecting into conversation like interjecting into conversation saying something completely off the wall but like that makes people laugh yeah. And so instead of someone being like, this is disruptive, everyone's like, Deanna's so funny. She's nuts. She's hilarious. She's wild. Right. Um, so when you, I, I kind of want to um, focus a little bit on the, the self-harm thing, uh, just because this is, this is something that I've uh, dealt with myself uh, kind of in a different way. I never cut, um, but uh, it's something that, since I wasn't a cutter, uh, and that again, put it into the gender binary does kind of seem to be more of a thing for girls. Um, but since my self harm manifested in different ways, uh, mostly in like hitting things, hitting myself. Um, I mean, I would, when I was in like a rage out, I would break inanimate objects, but I would also do it to the detriment of my own body and wouldn't care. Like it, it, it became to the point where I was stimulated and kind of relieved by the pain 
in my fists as I would hit things. Um, and like, you know, like having little, I don't know. I mean, like my right knuckle is just permanently bigger than my left knuckle. Um, and liking like the, the only place being, to yeah, put exactly. Here. It's that feeling like that itch, you know, like is it's this buildup of horrid energy. Yeah. And um, like, if if you're gonna put something horrid back like out into the world, like you also have to suffer for that is like how yeah. I always felt about it. And I, you know, I mean, my heart goes out to people who are so out of control with their emotions that they are led to, uh, I don't know, start bar fights and shit like that with people. Like, cause I mean, I don't think that's cool. I think that, you know, if you do shit like that, you should get help and stop. But I've never been violent towards other people. It's only, but I do get intensely violent towards myself. Yeah. Um, and so it, it it's, it's something you that again, like that. you could turn it into a, turn it into a pain kink and monetize it. You'll I mean, fine. I could, I, 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 it's a little too old for me to get into like MMA or anything like that. Like I'm too old. I'm too, uh, it's too late for me to monetize it in terms of like becoming like a fighter or anything like that. But I feel like having gotten into um, martial arts, kickboxing, jujitsu, stuff like that lately uh, over the last few years and, and feeling an immense amount of joy and relief from that, like it scratches that itch for me um, that that's maybe something that I could have at some point, done but like it's not a it's not a, i don't think it's a monetizable thing now unless i like join the jackass crew and like pay people to like shoot me with rubber bullets or something right but even thinking about the jackass crew like you you want to tell me like those guys didn't like they all ended up in time needing treatment for mental health issues that like yeah and and even before when you were saying like okay you had more like externally violent impulses that also like took a burden on your own body. I feel like in boys, it shows up or men, it shows up more with like substance abuses. Like I think women go eating disorder often Mm -hmm. and men go substance abuse and non-binary people go whichever way the wind takes them. Right. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I mean the jackass crew, they're, they're definitely in the zeitgeist right now. Um, you know, with the new one out and everything, uh, which I still haven't seen. I want to. I haven't seen it either. I want to see um, it, but like, I'm afraid it'll make me sad because, like, in my mind, I still want to fuck Johnny Knoxville, and I still like. Sure, hey. he's a he's a handsome guy. I get it. Yeah, he's aged like, very well. I, he's like a silver fox now. Okay, that's what I was just about to say. So I actually like don't look at recent pictures of him. I like to look at like in my I don't look at any pictures of sure. him, but like in my mind, if I think like, oh, I want to fuck Johnny Knoxville, I just like picture him in 2005. Uh-huh. So I'm like scared to look. Like I'm scared to go see the movie because Oh no, I think he looks great. I think he's oh, he's good. of okay. any of them, I think he's aged the best. Um but I mean, yeah, look what's happened to so many of them. I mean, Ryan Dunn's dead. Uh he I think he was drunk when he was, when he was behind the wheel, yeah. right? He was, he was, he was like yeah. going like 120 and he was wasted. Yeah. Like, and Bam Margera is obviously in a lot of trouble. Like he's, he got kicked out. He was like, 
his he's really spiraling and hopefully can Steve-o, get well right. at some point. Steve-O had to go to rehab, you know, and is doing a lot better now, fortunately, but... Hello, so this is the spot where the, uh, where the recorder ran out of space. I had to format the card, I had to make sure that I got what we recorded off the card first and then format it, and I did it right. It was okay. Shouldn't have had, I mean, should have checked for the amount of space beforehand. That was kind of my fuck up, but I handled it well. It was fine. No big deal. So, anyway, back at it. Let's go. We are That's rolling okay. again. Okay, so my card ran out of space right in the middle of a sentence, and I uh, had to uh, reformat the card. But through the magic of editing, we can make that a seamless transition. No big deal. What was I talking about? What were we talking about? Self-harm? Uh, yes, self-harm. Yeah. And trying to think of uh what what about self-harm we were talking i don't know but uh so i mean cannot hang on to something for that long that i know here's a a perfect case in point of like two adhd people uh being disrupted by something for a couple minutes and then we have like no idea we have to just completely reset the conversation i blinked and woke up in the metaverse i have no fucking idea and also like i had a miniature panic and then returned from panic while that was occurring because Andrew texted me and said, are you ready to pod? And I panicked that I had gotten Gotten the the time time wrong and was doing this, but I was supposed to be doing that. So I was like, I didn't even want to tell, like, I didn't want to confess that I was having that panic. So I like tried to scroll back through our text messages, but I talked to Andrew often and a lot and so i i like couldn't find where we said the time so finally i just had to like gather myself to tell him like to be like am i late yeah and then he was like no bud you're good i just wanted to see if you were like excited to record worst week yet right he's that was just a that was just a general like hype up wellness check like hey we're we're, we're yeah. doing this we're on for yeah it's, it's so we we both went on a journey uh in yeah. the cut in the moment that you the listener are not aware of uh we had a little bit of a technical malfunction uh we were in the middle of talking about self-harm and we both went on journeys i had to uh, contain my panic about not being prepared and not checking how much space was left on the card. Um, cause that's, that's embarrassing and unprofessional and, and I've lost episodes that way. And, uh, and, and, and Deanna had to, uh, had to manage a panic about, uh, time management and about the uh, constant anxiety of, uh, that, that we face as ADHD people, uh, just getting a time wrong and just being like, what? Oh, I'm supposed to be there now. Like, Oh shit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in my sweatpants. Like that. I can't tell you how many fucking times that's happened. Um, I've gotten better at it just because I've been alive for 37 years. Um, but it's, it's something that I've really had to put the work into. Just this past week on Thursday, my assistant texted me at 1130 and was like, hey, your client wants to know if you're coming Mm -hmm. or if you'll be here soon. And I was like, what? I thought it was like a whole debacle. And I was trying to explain. I I joke a lot and I've really tried to joke about um, being late for things like I call myself terminal, like terminally tardy and I 
I, for two reasons, number one, because I'm really at a loss for like ways to improve upon that or improve upon that significantly. Um, and the other reason why is because like normalize fucking lateness, normal, yeah. normalize lateness for the sake of everybody's mental health, truly, um, like if you, if, if the time is 1240, let's assume anywhere between like 12, 1237 and 1250 is going to be fine because like people carry around so much anxiety about like being on someone else's time. Yeah. And then like, and this notion of like, wasting someone else's time my husband is a very timely person he's early he's like 30 minutes early for That's everything so annoying. i love him he's great <laughs> yeah he's i know but yeah I have, I have i have people like that too and i'm just like i'm so i don't know what to tell you like you're just gonna have to accept that like i might not be there on time i'll do my best i'm not gonna be like catastrophically late in most cases um you know because again this is something that i have really had to uh like mil militantly uh force myself to be better at but you know like i'm still gonna be a couple minutes late usually for most things um yes and i recently like i actually recently lost a, a friendship mm. over like not entirely that topic but like a person who had been in my life for 14 years uh was the only bridesmaid in my wedding besides my sister like i officiated her marriage yeah. we were co-workers worked in a restaurant together and routinely in the morning like the shift was for 10 and she would get there at like 9 40 and i would get there at like 9 or at 10 15 right and she would be fucking miserable to me about it like every like and we only had that schedule on Tuesdays and she would be fucking horrible to me about it and then like gaslight me like she would tell she told me that I was gaslighting her into feeling like a bad person for being mad at me for being late right and then she told me that I was using my mental health as a crutch and an excuse and we don't i blocked her on every absolute plan that was a that was a fucking she said a7 and my battleship went down it was yeah, like no that is it was something not that the is... fucking it was not like the really long one right where you have to hit fucking four it's not the things. aircraft carrier yeah no it was that one that's like two and one of them was already hit Right. And then she just sent that one and that ship went fucking down so hard. That is a very uh, triggering thing, not to use a fucking annoying buzzword, but uh, to say to somebody with uh, mental health struggles oh, yeah. is that you're it's using it as a friend, crush she and was an, an, absolute an excuse. Fucking cunt for that. Yeah. Like <laughs> that is, that is just even, okay. Note to the listener, if you have somebody in your lives who you believe is doing something like that, like they're not really trying their best, they're kind of using it to slip out of things and avoid responsibility. If you suspect that that's what's happening, be very careful in how you word that to the person. 
Because if it comes off like you are telling them that they are simply avoiding working on it uh, and just being lazy, that's really going to set them off. That's really going to be an upsetting thing uh, to, to say to them. Try and instead, I, I don't know how to put it to them, but like don't. Don't say it fucking that way. Because, like, obviously they are doing work. Obviously, if they are aware that they have X mental illness, they are doing something about it. Um, offer help. Offer to, you know, like, how can I wear I'm aware that being on time is difficult for you. How can I help facilitate you getting here on time? How can we meet? How can I meet you halfway? Something like that. You know? And I'm not talking about a casual acquaintance. Right. I'm talking about like we had a sleepover in the same bed the night before my wedding. Like we had a little like besties sleepover right. the night before. Like this is somebody that should have fucking known. And I wasn't trying to gaslight her into feeling like a bad person for saying anything about it. I was just kind of like, dude, it's a pandemic were waitresses. I have fucking depression, anxiety, and ADHD, and I have to open my eyes every fucking morning and figure out how I'm going to get dressed and get here and serve burritos to 400 people. Yeah. So, like, sorry that my timing on that isn't really smooth, but I also was like, it's a lot. And I had another, and I had another job besides actually at that time, two other jobs besides that. So I was working about 70 to 80 hours. Like I was like, this is a person who knew that I was maxed. Yeah. That I was overextended anyways. Yeah. Horrible. But my husband shows up like 30 minutes early for everything. And so then like I'm 10 minutes late and he'll be like, you wasted my time for 40 minutes. And I'm like, no, bro. You wasted your time for 30 minutes and I wasted it for 10. Yeah. Like if you want to talk about time that you could have used for something else, don't come at me about 10 motherfucking minutes when like you had 30 of your own minutes that you wasted. <laughs> and also what I mean, about my time? Is it my time valuable? Maybe I needed that 10 minutes. Why is your 10 minutes more valuable than my 10 minutes? Like I'm fucking over it. Yeah. Uh, like normalized tardiness. Nobody gives a fuck. I mean, that is one nice thing about living in New York City is uh, it's so chaotic here sometimes. Like the just the trains, situations, whatever. Like it's out of your hands that you do have to just sort of surrender after a while. And well, you're just see, like, well, I was trying to get from Brooklyn up to Harlem. You know, like during rush hour, I don't know, like shit happens. I don't always get there on time. But. Yeah. And I was like, and I was in New York for a while and I still spend a lot of time up there. And so like, I also have that in me. Like, I think in general, actually, that's kind of a very coastal, that's a very coastal approach. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff grew up, my husband grew up in rural Ohio and like, it might take you 40 minutes to get somewhere, but it's not, oh, it took 40 minutes to get somewhere 10 minutes away. And also there's nothing to do all goddamn day except get ready for what you have to go and do, the one thing you have to go and do. 
So no wonder you're early. You're bored. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy. I usually have too much stuff on my schedule going from one thing straight to the next thing with no time, no room for error. Right. And there's going to be fucking error. But what I've learned is the harder that I try, when I work on myself and I really, I said about like trying to figure out what the prescription was on the glass, like needed to be on the glasses. I look at my life through when I apply that kind of work to my life, it improves. I improve my quality of life improves yeah. when I put thoughtfulness to those topics, like topics about like impulsiveness or like regulating my emotion. Like when I think about that stuff, I improve. When I think about trying to be on time, I get about 70% more anxious. And I don't, I never get to the point where I'm on time. So like, I figure if I'm gonna be five minutes late anyways, then might as well just been seven minutes late and been chilling. Right. <laughs> right. Like, why did I have to be fucking sweaty armpits, butt cheek squeezer to be five minutes late instead of seven and then still have to lay prostrate at your feet about it? Like, no, yeah. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm over it for everyone. I have found as somebody who's like chronically tardy, um, one thing that I mean, I've realized this in, from a lot of different vantage points, but uh, one thing that is a huge stressor for me that gets me to that like hulked out stage of like, I'm self-harming, I'm like furious, I'm in like a red out rage is lateness just because uh, like, but it's, it's anger at myself because of the constant feeling like I'm letting people down, like I'm Oh yeah, uh, like I'm horrible. like I'm you know like like I'm unreliable or anything like that. So I'm a disappointment. What, like, yeah, yeah it's, the, it's the, fucking horrible. The way that I have found to alleviate that is to really do my best. Like I, I don't always do it, but do my best to give myself some breathing room so far as time. Um, and if I am trying to get to if i need to get somewhere that i i'm already kind of nervous about if it's a job interview or whatever um you know something kind of high stakes then i will do my best to get there early because that takes that off, like off the table that that just completely eliminates the um like the feeling of being early when you are somebody who is constantly late feels fucking great. You're just like, Oh, look at me. I'm already here. I might just like dick around on my phone for a while or go get a coffee or something like this just feels, this is amazing. That's Why don't I do this all the time? But like, the yeah. thing is that I just, I can't fucking do it all the time. It happens sometimes. And when I'm on my grind and it, it really like, I get there and like, I'm, I'm ahead of schedule. Like, that's great, but it's not something that I can usually pull off. It's not something I can usually pull off, but also I don't really get anything out of it. Mm, and maybe because of the way that I've just conditioned myself, like I, I will squander however much time I have available to me. Like 
if there's something that should take me three hours and I give myself three hours and 15 minutes so that I have a 15 minute grace period, whatever the thing is will take me three hours and 20 minutes. Like however much time I have, because I am like very detail oriented, very fussy, very perfectionist, but also like just easily distractible. I, I can hyper focus then into something and I will, I, I still won't be able to exceed the time expectation. Right. Like if I have to work at noon, the difference in me getting there at 1210 is not at all impacted by whether I wake up at 8 a.m. or whether I wake up at 1115. Right. <laughs> There's just like a billion other things that happen, uh, you know, right. between the more and... time I have, right. like the hurrier I get the, the behind her I fall mm. or whatever the saying is. Um, be, and like, it is because of that perfectionism. Like if I got up in the morning and I was like, I, I'm up at eight and I don't have to work until noon. So I can leave the house at 1115. So I can get there at 1145. So I can, whatever, like, if I got up at 8 a.m. at 11:40, I would be standing in the bathroom, trying to use a Q-tip to contour like the smudges of my eyeliner into perfection. Right. And then once I got to my destination, I would be like, "Wow, I spent four hours trying to perfect this eyeliner, and I still don't like the way it looks, and I was late." Right. Embarrassing. <laughs> So I mean, like I do I get, would rather yeah. I would rather fucking see to the pants it, right. wake up, slap my makeup on, look in the mirror and be like, damn, I look banging for five minutes of makeup. And then I'm like, oh shit, this is chaos. I get to work. I walk in the door. I'm like already ready to I'm like hit the ground running. Right. That makes me feel chaos like like a chaotic sense of victory. Like the fact that like I can like force everything into being okay. Like I never, if I got to the airport three hours before my flight, I would never feel like I won anything. Relaxing does not feel good to me. I don't know how to do it and I don't like it. And I resent the implication that I should try by anyone. (laughs) Wow. Relaxing, relaxing is that much of an issue. Like it, Sitting on the beach, sitting in a hammock, anything like oh, that, unwinding. The last is, time I went to the like beach, that? I had a panic attack. I don't like it. <laughs> wow. I don't. You know what I think is relaxing? Mm-hmm. You want to hear how fucked my factory settings are? I think roller coasters are relaxing. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't make sense. I mean, I kind of get it. I kind of get it on some level. Like it's, uh, what, what about it? You know, explain. Okay. So I told you, I have all these like weird things about like safety, Mm -hmm. but when I'm in a, like a state of chaos, I'm like, okay, well it's impossible for me to control everything. And like, there's never this guarantee of permanent safety, but like you can still enjoy things and make the most out of your life. But when I'm trying to relax, I'm like, it, it just lets the perfectionism, like my, my I can't do it like laying on the beach I will pick at every mental scab that I have right until it's 
you need a lot of stimuli in order mm-hmm. to get to yeah some degree of i get that t- i mean i need a, at least two different things going on i mean the hallmark of adhd people as we fidget i'm always like doing something with my pen or you know like making little notches with my thumbnail on a on a book of matches or something you know i compulsively pick my cuticles yeah, yeah skin like picking and things like that obviously like playing with hair like things like that are a thing like i can uh do any kind of like manual labor, washing dishes, whatever, cleaning the apartment while listening to a thing, while thinking about, you know, drawing while, while uh, listening to a lecture, like doodling while I'm in a meeting, things like that. Um, but um, I'm wondering if you've ever been drawn to, um, you know, I mean, we were talking about like jackass. Uh, have you ever been drawn to like extreme sports, like a, uh, I don't know, skateboarding, uh, snowboarding, anything like that that's like very intense, uh, requires all of your uh, attention. I, I feel like a lot of um, neurodivergence, uh, ADHD people um, are drawn to, you know, something like roller derby, hockey, fighting, things like that that are like extremely stimulating that you can't let your attention slip away from. Otherwise, you're going to get hurt. Um, I mean, getting hurt is also part of it. Hockey is the only sport I can watch. Mm. I'm not very athletic. Mm. Uh, So if you're listening, you don't know this, but while we were just chatting before uh, we started recording, I was walking in my house to get my glasses and I tripped and fell up the steps and almost smashed my MacBook. Right. So I'm not, I don't, being, being awake is an extreme sport for me. I'm the least physically coordinated. Like I'm in a, Oh, listen, the tension between me and gravity is worse than like whatever the U.S. and Russia are trying to do in Ukraine right now. (laughs) My relationship with gravity is tense, very tense. So, yeah. And because I need to work like I do hair. Right. And I was waitressing. I like can't risk additional bodily harm. Like, well, that kind of bodily harm. I mean, any really. But right. Yeah. So right. no extreme sports, but like I do, I always need something like for watching TV. I'll also be like playing a game on my phone and mm-hmm. it makes my husband so mad. Well, not mad, but like, I'll, I'll be like, wait, what just happened when like, if I missed something on the screen really quickly and I'm like, you're not even watching. And I'm like, I literally can't like, I actually can't. Right. So yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I mean, it's ADHD. Like it's it. We need a bunch of different things going on. Um, are you? I. I don't know. Would you call yourself like a clumsy person? Do you like trip and fall a lot and like? Oh yeah. Uh, burn yourself or uh, drop yep. shit. Yep. I and I like. I don't lose things. I misplace things mm-hmm. all the time. Like, I, probably when I am done recording this, I will have lost my vape pen in the blanket I'm sitting under and in the process of like trying to find the vape pen in the blanket, I'll lose my phone. I'll put my phone down and like knock a pillow on it. And then by the way, I'm on my couch. I'm not in bed. I mean, if I was in bed, that would also be fine, but um, yeah. And then like probably in the process of trying to find my phone, I'll trip over my laptop cord. It'll be a whole chaotic scene on my way out the door. 
Yeah, it's uh, my my girlfriend is the same way, and she, um, I love her to death, but she's one of the clumsiest people I've ever met. So it's just like uh, those girls with constant that constantly have bruises on their legs that they can't explain, you know, yeah, because they me. walk into tables and shit. Um, yeah, and I don't even remember I did it. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Like loses loses stuff in the couch, can't find her phone, can't find her glasses, you know, and and like she has just started doing like therapy and and is already like it's pretty uh, bold faced like front page yeah you have you have ocd i think in my amateur uh psychological opinion she also has adhd she has not been officially diagnosed but just everything in terms of uh you know attention holes and like getting into just like you know spending half an hour like working on on makeup or whatever and then getting you know being late to something like is i mean it's it's all there the writing's on the wall so it's funny that you say like in your amateur opinion like in my amateur opinion Mm -hmm. my husband is on the autism spectrum Mm. but again in 1988 in rural ohio they weren't like right this is an autism behavior um because i do see like and and in the places where i can see how like autism and adhd overlap i can see it huge overlap i've talked about this a lot on the show um i this is why i find that there's a lot of alliances between adhd people and autism spectrum people a lot of my friends like some of my closest friends are uh definitely on the spectrum and i feel like i have a special kinship or bond with them I get along with them in a way often that a lot of other people can't um, or like they annoy people too, too much with their spectrumy you know like acting like data from Star Trek kind of behavior yeah. and it doesn't bo- I mean it, I, it can bother me but like it doesn't it's not a deal breaker like it's just like a thing I accept and I see that like that's just how they're processing the world and like they need to like they're not gonna they're not gonna understand that I'm giving them cues that I'm bored with what they're saying or that I want them to leave or that I need to get off the phone. So I'm just gonna have to just straight up tell them like I don't know what you're talking about and I don't care or I I I, I have to go to bed now. I, I I it's very late. We need to go to sleep now. Like just stuff like that. That just like you have to just straight up just tell them point blank and they're like, Oh, okay. And like it, they don't take it personal. It's not oh, like God. And I feel so bad because I do have to do that to Jeff sometimes. Yeah. Like, he'll be just like, he's really into trucks and he <laughs> like, he does cryptocurrency. Like, oh boy. Whatever he does, he, he gets really into stuff. Like yeah. I love, I love a hobby and he gets really into his hobbies and I love it. And like, it used to be sneaker collecting. Then it was like vintage t-shirts. Now he's doing truck stuff, whatever, like be into stuff. And I think it's like, it's, it's honestly inspiring to me because yeah. like, I think of something like that's cool I should learn more about that and then I don't think about it again for like 17 years um but he'll be like balls deep in explaining like variations of leaf springs for every model of Toyota Tacoma from like 2010 to the present and I will just have to be like I literally don't know what the fuck you're talking about anymore and like 
10 minutes ago, I let my mind wander for like three seconds. And when I came back, I was so lost. And I thought that I would like get back on track, but <laughs> right, it's not working. Wow. Deanna Mackey, thank you so much for being on the show. I think we're running out of time. Um, you got to, you got to go to your, me. you got to go to your next thing. Um, speaking of, you know, being, being late to stuff. So we should, we should wrap it up. Um, uh, but this was, this was great. And, um, I, I feel like, uh, how do I put this? Anytime I talk to another person, uh, with ADHD on the show, I feel like the conversation is very, like a plate of spaghetti goes all over the place. Um, and so, uh, I would love to have you back on because I feel like there's a lot that I would like to, um, continue to. Uh, talk about unpack if you if you'd like yeah, come back I would love to come back I'll come um, back uh, anytime so um is there anything you would like to plug um yes please listen to my other podcast well, it's not really my podcast it's my friend Andrew Hillary's podcast it's called the worst week yet where we make jokes about how much everything fucking sucks because mm -hmm. humor is our best defense mechanism um, also, you can follow me on Twitter at DDDDeanna, that's four Ds, E-A-N-N-A, -N -N -A, where you can check out my first and probably only ever viral tweet. Congratulations on having a viral treat, tweet. I, I'm, I'm sure it will solve all of your problems. You know what? Uh, it is a viral treat. It was a viral, a viral treat, treat. <laughs> but the little dopamine that I got from it was a viral treat. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you once again to Deanna Mackey for being on the show. Hope to have you back on sometime. Hope to have uh, most everybody's welcome back on the show. But I feel like especially there's a certain guests where I'm like, we were kind of just getting warmed up. I I want to continue this. And that's one of them. All right. Once again, support us Instagram and Twitter. Uh, no, sorry. That's backwards. I'm doing the outro wrong. Support us on patreon.com slash selfworst. Little as a dollar a month. I will love you forever. And, uh... Radical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. At selfworst on Instagram. Follow us. Uh, like, and like and subscribe. Uh, on iTunes. Give us a review. Rate and review spotify itunes all of that um tag us put us in your screenshot put it take a screenshot take a screenshot of the episode that's playing right now right now as you're listening to this stop what you're doing screenshot put that on your stories tag do it and i will thank you and probably repost it I'll maybe do something else for you. I don't know. What do you need? Jump your car. You can, uh, I don't know. I can, I can patch drywall. I can, uh, help you un uninstall or install an air conditioner. Whatever. I'm pretty good at handyman shit. We'll work it out. All right. That's all. Music is by Shea Bartell. Theme song was written by Shea Bartell and me. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. Goodbye.